Wow, wow, wow. What a fucking great song that is to open up the show. God damn. That's uh, Riot in Thunder Alley by Eddie Barham, which was used in the film Thunder Alley and was reappropriated by Quentin Tarantino for his film Death Proof, um, which I actually rewatched recently. Um, it wasn't as bad as I remember it being. It's not good, but it's not bad. Um, I, I, it's one of his weaker films. Uh, but anyway, hello and welcome to the Left Kill Chat. My name's Joe Greenwood. Hope you're all doing well this week. Um, as you can see from the episode title, this week's episode is about The American Road. Uh, the American Road movie, to be exact. Um, I've decided to break down the idea of The American Road into a couple different categories. Uh, because there's quite a few films that link together in many different ways. They sort of have these sort of similar ideas of what the American road can be. So you've got the idea of the road as a nightmare, or the road to recovery, the road of discovery, the road of desire as well. It can take you on to many different courses on, on that one. Uh, and then the idea of greed as well. Um, the American road is this sort of thing which is slightly mythical in some respects um, in cinema, particularly in American cinema. And that's the idea of this week's show, is to look at the mythology of the American road. Name, Kowalski. Occupation, driver. Transporting a supercharged Dodge Challenger from Denver to San Francisco. Background, Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Former stock and bike racer. Former cop, dishonorably discharged. Now he uses speed to get himself up. To get himself America as a nation is often held up as the pinnacle of the free world, one where all your dreams and desires can come true as long as you put in the hard work and abide by their central beliefs. And one of the great sort of simple symbols of that is the open American roads, the idea of Route 66 or driving through the desert, no one on the road but you, and you can pick which direction you want to go in. Uh, it's a beautiful dream that some people follow through and go on these long trips of discovery. Think of something like Into the Wild, for example. But the idea of the American road has just been this central thing which ties us all together and that can lead you into any possible directions is it's a nice idea, um, which we'll get into in a minute, but I wanted to first off start off with the idea of it actually not being what it, you think it could be. The idea of it being this potentially beautiful thing and this everything you dreamt of. What if it was actually a nightmare? And I'm not talking about the family comedy road trip where they all argue, blah, 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 and it turns out the trip wasn't as good. But in the end, they learn their lessons. And we all come away happy at the end because blah, 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 whatever. But what if it was actually a physical manifestation of our nightmares? One of the best films for that, and is probably maybe my favourite film of his, is Duel by Steven Spielberg. Um, it probably is my favourite film of his, think about it. It's probably the one I've watched the most. It's on ITV4 a lot, so um, it's quite easy to watch. Oh, is it the one I've watched the most? Either that or Jaws, I think I've seen more than any of his films. Anyway, that doesn't matter. It's a very, very simple concept to this film. 
Dennis Weaver plays a salesman on a two-lane highway, um, just driving along trying to get to his next destination, and he encounters a giant sort of lorry. Uh, we don't see the driver of this lorry, who torments him the whole time by driving dangerously towards him, almost killing him, and sort of pushing him mentally to the edge. And that's where the film ends up going, is the edge. It pushes him, Dennis Weaver, to do things which something he wouldn't do. He's a very mild-mannered man. And it's the idea of our nightmare of how far are we willing to go to save ourselves if we're putting in a dangerous situation. Normally it's something like deliverance, where you're out in the wilderness with your mates and some hillbillies come along and, well, make things not so pleasant. Um, but something which is actually quite normal, which is just driving, this thing which is supposed to be freeing and liberating. We're in total control of it, but that idea that it's taken away from us and that uh, idea of the control of it is no longer in our hands and that we have to react to what someone else is doing. Of course, there are accidents on the road every day where that control is taken away, but to be to this extent where it's actually a game for some people. There's a, a fantastic scene where Dennis Weaver eventually stops and just pulls over into a rest stop where to get something to eat into the diner and he thinks he's shaking them off and then he sees in the car park that the lorry is there, the one that's been tormenting him. And then he has the paranoia that whoever is driving it is in the same room as him and that he is, he then starts to look around and he looks at all the other drivers that are in there and he starts to get paranoid and think this person's in here and they're watching me or they've pushed me to come here, or they've tricked me to come here. It's a very potent film. It's a very simple film as well. That's it. That's the only plot to it, is that this guy just gets tormented on the road. And it's interesting how Spielberg shoots the lorry. So he does shoot it as a monster, and in the end, it is a monster that gets slayed. Dennis Weaver baits the driver into going up into the cliff, where the lorry eventually goes over the edge of the cliff, crashing and burning, eventually dying. And what Spielberg does is, very subtly and quite famously now, he, the noise of the lorry going down is the noise he took from the original Godzilla film, uh, the original Toho Godzilla film of the monster being slayed. So it really does create this idea of our demons and monsters that we have in the back of our minds coming out to the fore. Now with Dennis Weaver, it's a slightly more abstract idea. We don't know what his demons are. Uh, maybe it's just the idea that he's not in control or the idea someone's watching him. Perhaps he's done something bad in the past. It's not that explicit. What's interesting is um, Duel... Um, like any sort of successful film, it's actually a TV movie. Uh, so it didn't get a theatrical release, so it wasn't like a huge hit, but it spawned a sort of semi-rip-off, um, which played with the idea of monster movies on the road 
um, with a film called The Car, which is is quite an excellent film, um, to be honest. I'm quite a huge fan of it. It's got James Brolin in it, um, who, yeah, again, it's just that simple thing of this monster chasing us, and it's something that we all know and have seen countless times. It's just a car. But in this one, it's just this huge black car with the windows blacked out. It's this mass. It's actually a huge vehicle, which um, you would not want to be on the other end of. It's it's quite an interesting one, actually. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next idea of the road. The idea of greed, opportunity, and desire. You're born somewhere around East Texas, right? Yeah. A big old family. Yeah. You went to school, of course, but you didn't take to it much because you was a lot smarter than everybody else. So you just up and quit one day. Now, when you were sixteen, you, seventeen, there was a guy who worked in a in a cement plant. Right, cement plant. And you and you liked him because he thought you were just as nice as you could be, and you almost married that guy. But then you thought, no, you didn't think you would. So then you got you your job in the cafe, and now you wake up every morning you hate it. You just hate it. You get on down there and you put on your white uniform. Pink. It's pink. Uh-huh. And them truck drivers come in there to eat your greasy burgers and they kid you and you kid them back. But they're stupid and dumb boys with the big old tattoos on them and you don't like it. And they ask you for dates and sometimes you go, but you mostly don't because all they're ever trying to do is get in your pants whether you want them to or not. So you go on home and you sit in your room and you think, now when and how am I ever going to get away from this? The idea of the American road as being something which can uh, give you everything that you desire is a fairly common one. And it can be one that fills a couple different holes. It could be just sexual desire, something if you look at like the colour wheel, um, which is a fantastic road movie from uh, a couple of years ago by Alex Ross Perry. Um which is about just a brother and sister going on a road trip. Which, uh, trust me, it's better than what I just described it as. Uh, there's so many terrible indie road movies about brother and sister going on the road, and, you know, oh, they bicker, and but in the end they, you know, they sort of get to somewhere, who cares. There's also a really brilliant film from a couple of years ago called Sun Don't Shine by Amy Simetz, came out a couple of years after uh, The Colour Wheel, which is about a boyfriend and girlfriend who commit a crime and then go on the road, which is a very common trope. What makes this film interesting is that set in Florida and um, it has a kind of episodic approach, even though it's quite a slender film. But it's also a very sweaty film. That's something that I always remembered from it. It's shot in beautiful 16mm, which is the best format for shooting a road movie, by the way. And you just, uh, it's got Caitlin Shield, it plays the, the lead in it. And I just remember the whole film her being like slightly like uh, her, her cheeks being pink and just like just a thin sort of veil of sweat over her face, just looking very uncomfortable. And then that, that has a sort of element of desire, of desire of money and tapping into something a bit more animalistic by committing a crime and then there's also the sexual side of that 
an interesting one with the sexual side of it is the Russ Meyer film Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, which is about a group of go-go dancers who... Um, the go-go dancers? I'm not sure. Uh, who go on a killing rampage, killing men and abducting... The film opens with them driving into the desert, fighting with each other physically. And then meeting a boy and girl, boyfriend and girlfriend, killing the boy, abducting the girl into their group, and then going off together to commit more shenanigans. Uh, Russ Meyer is quite an interesting filmmaker. Someone who I think is a little bit underappreciated and kind of like put off to this one side as this slightly sleazy filmmaker. I mean, technically he is a sexploitation film. Um, for those of you who can't figure out what that is, that's an exploitation film which revolves around sex. Um, very, There's been books just written about Russ Meyer's obsession with um, very bosomy women, uh, which was his... Those tend to be the sort of woman that he go for, but his films were actually very liberal for the time and out there, you know, in terms of racial diversity as well. If I remember correctly, I think it's Beyond the Valley of the... Beyond the Valley of the Dolls has a very mixed cast and a very sort of mixed scope. He's he's not he's very much a very open-minded filmmaker. Actually, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is technically a road movie as well, in that they go on the road in the first ten minutes. There's a a bit where you see this girl band driving with their bandmate as a guy, and you, this does that thing that you see from Indiana Jones. Um, not Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where um, you see them driving across the map and you see the line going across the map as it sort of semi-crossed fades over the actual image of them driving. But uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is a very good one because it just sort of plays on that uh, who's in control idea. Uh, there's no doubt who's in control of the camera. It's obviously a man because he really does ogle the women in the film and it's quite glorious, I've got to say. But then, in terms of the actual push-pull of the characters, it's more the women that are in control. I mean, there's a, the central performance in, in the film um, playing the character of Vala, Tura Santana, who is just superb uh, as this sort of killer of men. I mean, Russ Meyer, he, he gives her the most, probably the most uh, unhelpful... <laughs> Uh, outfit possible, which is just this sort of like black cat suit. Is it? A, no, it's not a cat suit. It's sort of black jeans and a and a sort of black top, which is barely sort of holding her cleavage together in these black leather gloves, black boots. She is this sort of. It does play on that sort of Western idea of the if you're wearing all black, then you're the bad guy. But she's this sort of like forceful character who can just sort of kill anyone. She doesn't care who she faces. It's a really superb film. Going on to that idea of of combining the sexual push-pull between men, greed as well, obsession of money, and also the obsession of fame, like the American road can give you fame. Bonnie and Clyde is also technically a, a road movie. What's interesting here is that to fill uh, 
his inability to perform sexually, Clyde instead replaces it with robbing banks. And that is the sort of thing that draws Bonnie to him. Of course, it's Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway. And again, that's it's just this really sort of glorious film in terms of how um, Arthur Penn shoots her. She's this slightly off-colour thing in this landscape. She uh, she often wears sort of like yellows and oranges, whereas everyone wears these sort of like blues and blacks, these sort of like dark colours. She sort of stands out next to everyone else. But yeah, again, the American road is something which is very prevalent in that film. There's a lot of back woods driving as well, sort of saying on the back roads. And it's the idea that they're taking the back road through life, that they manage to sneak their way into prosperity. That's what the American road can offer you, is this idea of prosperity, that you can go on this long journey, it can be a long journey or a short journey, but at the end there could be that thing that you want. And what's great with this is that they get what they want, but they have to take the sneaky back roads. Uh, problem with that is that the sneaky back roads often have traps laying for them, whether it's police or just people that they can't really trust. It's quite a sticky road, essentially. Also, the idea where, well, when the American Road really became a mainstream idea in movies was when Hollywood cinema sort of reached its peak, the 1970s. That's when the American Road became something of discovery, whether it's sort of drugs or your sexuality or just even your mental state. The idea of that you can go somewhere on a journey, and along that journey, either as you're going there or when you reach your destination or even when you're going back home you can find something important about yourself and in the case of some of these films there was no end point that some of the most famous ones which i won't really go into something like the last detail actually the last detail is a fantastic film hal ashby directed film of course it harold and maud as well but the three I'm going to talk about here is Easy Rider, which is a film I'm not a huge fan of, to be honest. But that's probably the archetype for this type of 1970s road movie, where there is no end destination, and you just... All you can do is really go on the road and see what it gives you. And in the case of Easy Rider, it was mainly drugs and not much else. That's something that, about that film which I find quite interesting. It's quite a sad film. In that people like to remember it of just like two guys on a motorbike, born to be wild on the on the soundtrack, and whatever is in front of you is going to be good. Um, but people forget <laughs> that in the end everyone dies, 
that the establishment keeps them down and kills them, and that there was nothing really for them on the road. There was no end point for them, and it was something quite sad, really. It's it's uh, it's a film that I didn't ever really connect it to, and maybe it's one that I'll find at another point in my life. But it's definitely one that you should watch, either because you get a connection to it, because it's a huge cultural touchstone, uh, and also because it's really a key film in this idea of the American road, of it being something of discovery. Uh, there's also the really excellent Monty Hellman film I wanted to talk about, Tulane Blacktop, which has one of the strangest casts you're ever going to see. I mean, first off, you've got Warren Oates, who is just fantastic. You've got Dennis Wilson, the other Wilson brother, Laurie Bird, Harry Dean Stanton, and then James Taylor. Yes, that James Taylor. Um, and it's they. It's just about these guys who live to race their cars. That's all they do. And you could have done like the cheap 50s, 60s exploitation version of this, but this is the 1970s. This is a time of sort of paranoia. The idea of um, we don't know what's really controlling us anymore. And that's something which is really quite romanticised a little bit in this film is the idea that you can make whatever you want on this road, that there is nothing holding you back. Uh, James Taylor is actually quite excellent in this film. Monty, what Monty Hellman does is that he takes a semi-sort of Bresson approach to the performances in that they don't emote, they just give, they just deliver their lines. They don't put any inflection on them. Which is... Uh, an interesting approach. I think it might be because James Taylor is not an actor and isn't a particularly good one. But in this, it sort of works. This sort of like non-delivery, this sort of like shrug of of the shoulders, because it gives this idea that of this time, there wasn't anything that they could emote about. It was all just, well, you know, whatever. I'll just go out on the road with my car. I'll just maintain it. I'll race it, and I say I'll get my money, and I'll just live out here. If you want to come along with me, then that's fine, but I'm not going to stop for anything. Probably my favourite uh, road movie of this era is, and of this type, this idea of discovery, is Bob Raffleson's Five Easy Pieces. This is maybe my favourite Jack Nicholson performance as well, where he plays an oil, sort of a, a dropout guy, the guy who dropped out from college back in the day, and now he's just working on some oil rigs. And he just sort of goes from, his life just goes from bar to bar, living in not the best places with this girl, played by Karen Black. And he gets this call to come see his father, who is, you know, not going to be around for much longer. And what you expect is that he's going to be that his family's going to be like him. Just these sort of like hard-working blue-collar guys, but they're actually upper-crust Pacific Northwest people, highly educated people. Uh, his sister is a trained pianist, is a very accomplished classical pianist. And uh, But we see that he, what he wants to do is he wants to go off and discover himself and find 
himself in a different way and on this journey back home he finds out that he is no different from how he was before and that everything that he tried to run away from he could quite easily go back to um, what doesn't help him when he goes back is that he takes his girlfriend as played by Karen Black who's a slightly sort of white trash um, girl who is not really the sort of person his family wants him associating with and you get the impression now that he uses her as a thing to pull him away from his past and his upbringing there's uh, also the very key ending to this film when he's driving back with Karen Black and they pull over into a petrol station they start filling up petrol she goes she says I'm gonna go to the toilet I'll be right back he starts filling up and then he sees this guy driving a lorry like a wood lorry and he said uh, he just goes to the guy. Hey, have you got have you got room for a passenger? And he goes, sure. And he says, like, can I come with you? He says, uh, yeah, sure. And he gets in the car. He gets into the lorry with him, and uh, he just drives off with him, leaving his girlfriend behind. And the lorry driver asks him, so where are you heading? And he just says, I don't, I don't care. It's this idea that the American road, you can discover that. The person that you are is something which you don't like and that no matter what, you're always going to be that person so I might as well keep running from it until the day that I die because I'd much rather that than to just sit here and be what I am. Network, which is a collection of podcasts that you can listen to online at wholefastnetwork.com. You can uh, also subscribe to each individual podcast on iTunes. Uh, there's many different things up on Wholefast Network. You can listen to South London Hardcore, as hosted by Jack McEnroy and Steve Walsh. They also set up Wholefast Network. And they also, um, Steve is also on a couple of different podcasts. He's on Process. Uh, which is about comic book creators talking about their craft and the process of uh, making comic books. You also have um, For the Hamlet, which is about Dulwich Hamlet Football Club. Uh, so if you need your non league fix, there's also Basement Tapes Radio, which is one that uh, I'm a huge fan of. You can listen to that uh, at wholefirstnetwork.com, which is all about music. Uh, this week's episode is all about games. Uh, what they do is they pick a theme, and then they pick ten songs around the theme, uh, sort of similar to the uh, Bob Dylan Radio Hour. I think that's what it was called. So give that a listen. That's a, that's a very good show. They they pick some really really excellent songs. Um, if you want, if you've got a podcast yourself, you can actually submit your ideas, uh, your podcast to Holfest Network. Um, it'd be good if you have a track record of actually producing podcasts, whether it's your podcast that you do now or a new idea for a podcast that you have. Uh, you can sub uh, submit your ideas to com forward slash submissions. 
or you can alternately email holdfastnetwork at gmail.com. Two Lane Blacktop, and it's probably the best example of the idea of the American road being one of recovery. The film I'm talking about is Paris, Texas, the film which tells you the location of where the recovery has to start from. The film is uh, directed by Vin Vendors, who is one of the great sort of directors of the American road. He did. Um, of course, he did the film King, King of the Road. Um, he also did uh, The American Friend, which has some sort of road element stories to it, in that it takes you, takes a character to a place where they're not really sure of where they're going. But this is probably the film that Vin Vendors is most well known for, for a number of reasons. There's a, a fantastic score by uh, Ry Kuda, who did this sort of drawn out guitar score, but there's a it's a fantastic central performance by Harry Dean Stanton, who we just see walking in the desert. Just walking. Going in no direction in particular. And he seems to have no idea who he is. And we see in the opening someone, his, this guy approaching Dean Stockwell, who turns out to be his brother. And they sort of reunite and then he tries to take him home to California and the reason why he's done that is because he's been missing for years there, there hasn't really been a reason for it and then he goes back to his brother's house and you find out that there's a kid there that is actually his son and then Harry Dean Stanton and his son have to reconnect. He's only a small kid. He's like, what, eight, nine, ten? That sort of range? And uh, his presence sort of unsettles his family and he has to kind of work his way back into it. There's a, there's a couple of great sequences where Harry Dean Stanton goes to try and reconnect with his son and he has to pick him up from school and what happens is, is his son tells him walk behind me and then they just walk home and it's this thing of they've got to walk together to try and find a connection that they have to try and this is how they have to build their bond is they're actually moving together to in unison trying to find a connection this way what they then do is uh, Travis, Harry Dean Stanton and his son uh, Hunter, as played by Hunter Carson must go on the road together to find his mum 
Jane as played by Natasha Kinski and they to try and put their lives back together and you find there that Natasha Kinski is working as a sort of I'm not sure really what it is. It's not quite prostitution, but it's this thing where she's in a room and there's a two-way mirror, so she can't see the guy. And they, she sort of has to perform sexual acts in front of them. And so he goes to discover to try and figure things out with her, with his son, and they follow her to her work and they talk to each other. And there's this great sequence where. Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Kinski are talking to each other, but they can't see each other and they're looking in the wrong direction. Like, she's looking at the two-way mirror and he can't look at her. They have to just talk to her facing the other way and they're both sort of facing the camera but not looking directly into it. And they reconnect and then you realise that this is actually part of Harry Dean Stanton's continued journey. He never stopped walking from where he was in the desert. This is still a part of that same journey. And a new one has begun between Natasha Kinski and his son. And it's this idea that what Vin Vendors does so well there is he makes you think that the recovery is going to be between all three of them, when in fact one of them doesn't really want to be, doesn't want to recover. And that this is what a part of his journey is to put together what he thinks is what's best for his son and his ex-wife. And that he must then continue going on until what he is. He's almost almost kind of like a Christ-like figure in some respects. But he's the, the road never sort of stops for him. And that he just then goes off again, walking, leaving them behind. And that this is just a real sort of detour in his life. One that... What this sort of shows is that the American road isn't this sort of fixed thing, and I think that's what all these films have demonstrated. It's something which has been romanticised in a couple of different ways, and people take elements of it which I think are wrong. As I mentioned with the Easy Rider, they just think get on a Harley Davidson, put on, you know, Born to Be Wild, and that's all you need. But it's not a fixed thing. There are many different ways to look at the sort of iconography of it. What's interesting with Paris, Texas, also is that there's a Western element to it. There is this. Uh, I can't. Is it? I don't think it's quite Monument Valley that he's walking through, but there is this sort of Harry Dean Stanton's the 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 shadow version of John Wayne in any sort of Western that he's in. This is the opposite of uh, of the John Wayne iconography. He shoots him in these sort of wide open vistas and he's this sort of dishevelled homeless sort of looking man and that's the sort of other side of it is that all of these characters have all gone on the road looking for something in particular even in two lane blacktop which is they're looking for an identity of their own whereas in paris texas it's this idea of no i'm never going to leave and i'm always going to just be moving forward in a direction which I'm not sure about. And that maybe this is kind of a film about forcing someone to do something that they don't want to do more than anything. And that people think that the road will give you a, a backbone, give you a, a direction to go on. But some people just don't want to be on the road. And some people don't want to be in a car as they 
because Harry Dean Stanton doesn't want to be uh, in this. He wants to be on foot walking through the desert instead. And maybe that's what will give him the direction that he needs. A wide open vista that he can approach in any way. That he can go take any course to rather than a two-lane highway. for this week's episode of the Left Field Show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, um, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be doing an episode on Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, whose most recent film, Inherent Vice, came out a couple months ago here in the UK, which a film that was on my best of 2014 list, a film that I absolutely adored. So you can look forward to that. Also, yeah, so I'll be doing an episode on Paul Thomas Anderson next week. We're midway through the this, the new series of the Leftfield Chair. There's only three left, so savor every single second of them because it is absolutely knackering recording this on my own. Um. So yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to send me stuff uh, if you want. If uh, and also tell me about films that I missed out on this, or maybe even your own ideas of the American road in cinema and what you think of it as. Oh, and um, if you want, leave a review on iTunes. That helps the podcast, uh, apparently. helps us get us a bit higher up in the rankings. Uh, I don't even know if we are ranking as a podcast. Uh, I doubt it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a nice week. And I'll speak to you soon.
Yeah. 